Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show discussing the wonderful world of landscape photography. This time I'll be talking to Simon Clayton or sg.lc on Instagram about his landscape photography journey. Simon is based on the northern beaches of Sydney and his long exposure drone shots are second to none. He's been photographing the beaches for about five years now but still finds new and surprising things about the areas he explores. His main love is to shoot seascapes, sunrise and surf with a mix of drone and mirrorless cameras depending on the conditions. Some of you may know him from the Scapers podcast which was one of the inspirations for me making this thing. We'll be getting to know Simon a bit better over the next hour or so, and we'll talk about where he started with landscape photography, what drives his passion for seascapes and landscapes, how he sees drone photography, and where next for him and his work. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hello, Grant. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, mate. I appreciate it. Uh, No problem. Uh, Been looking forward to talking to you. When when was the last time you got out to shoot? Well, actually, I've been, I've, I'm lucky enough to be living uh, very close to the beaches. It's within the, yep. within the area. Um, so I, I try to shoot, like I try to sort of c- coincide it with, with, you know, the, the allowed exercise that yeah. I've been doing, you know, so. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Quite a bit, actually. These, I, I'm sure you've seen, we've had so many good sunrises and sunsets yeah i know i've been, been watching them been... out my window going i want to get out there but can't uh yeah there's been there's been a lot of good ones and like uh, there's and we were talking before we don't want to get neither of us want to get to go too far down the, the covid path talking about covid but <clears throat> like a lot of people uh, there's a lot of people like i oh, you shouldn't be out shooting during COVID, but like for me, I I do it as it's it's work, you know. Like a lot of my images, like I, I shoot mainly on the northern beaches, and I have a bit of a following of yep. uh, northern beaches locals, and I do sell these prints, you know. So I I consider oh. it work anyway. Um, so yeah. yeah, but to answer your question, quite a bit. We've just had a lot of good skies lately. Um, not all of them I've got. There was a sky that sky. Uh, yesterday, yesterday we had a real good burner, and um, I was shooting down at Taramata, and it was—I just couldn't find a good composition. Have yeah. you you been there before? Yeah, been there, been there a fair bit. It's, it's one of my go-to's because there are so many comps, but you know, the, the, yeah, side, but yeah, well, because there was very little swell it was a very low tide and when it's when it's like that like the oh shooting the ocean pools is tricky because you're going to get all the barnacles and stuff and yeah, there's yeah. usually not much flow so i thought tarry is going to be the the way to go but the problem is there i think a lot of people there was quite a few people that probably had the same idea and yeah, right uh, this is something this is something you only deal with when you sh- when you live and shoot in in a city uh like if you get if you're not the first one down there and people have lined up a comp, you're stuck with whatever's left, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's a bit, right. I guess it's a bit like yeah. yeah, it's a bit like surfing, you know, you can't you can't jump into someone else's comp. And if they no, right. set themselves way back up 
the beach, um, like you're like, oh, I, like it's it's tricky, but you've got it. You just you got to all you got is what left. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it was a cracking sky, and I just I didn't really get anything that good. It was it was okay, but nothing nothing amazing. You know? Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So I like, I like to sort of kick these conversations off by asking how you got into photography. What What's your earliest photography memory and that sort of thing? Yeah, okay, sweet. Uh, well, I basically, I started shooting about, I reckon probably about five years ago now. I never, I never really did, had much to do with photography before that. Like I had, I mean, I'd take a couple of photos every now and then on my phone yeah. Um but I was never really interested in taking um, a good photo. Uh, I I got into it because of the like I'm a bit of a like a computer nerdy sort of a guy, and I got into yeah. it because I like the I like the tech part, the tech side of photography, and looking at a big chunky camera. I, I remember looking at it back in back in the day, going like, "What the hell is that thing? There's so many buttons on that thing," and wanting I wanted to like understand w- what they were and how they <clears throat> how they work, you know. And when I eventually when I eventually got one, uh, I spent a lot of time learning the technical aspects, uh, and from there I sort of got drawn into the more more artistic side of it. You know what I mean? Like yep. I look at what other people what other people are doing and what they're shooting, and I sort of try to think how how are they doing that? Like what settings are they doing? How are they creating that effect and that sort of thing? And then then I got into the more the artistic side. And now I just I just love it. Like I have. Well, I don't know if it's a style, but I have a a, a preference of the sort of things yep. that I love to shoot. You know what I mean? And yeah, so how, how, how would you describe that? What 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 is your your style or preference? But well, I like shooting. Um, I like shooting sunrises, sunsets. I love the colours that you get on a yep. like a real good deep burner. And what I like about shooting sunrises and sunsets, I mean, unless there's no cloud, they're never. They're, they're never the same, you know what I mean, and yeah. um, they're always they're always different. But um, so, I, and living on the northern beaches, I there's a lot of um, like there's a lot of beaches here. There's a lot of good uh, places to shoot, and given the, the conditions we get, like good sunrises, good sunsets, we get uh, big swells, we get storms occasionally. Um, yeah. There's just so much to shoot around here. So yeah, yeah that's that's what I like to do. That, those no, sunrise, cool. sunsets, and, and big swells. Yeah. But yeah. when when you when you're out, what are you what are you looking for when you're trying to construct that composition? Yeah, you know, like you said, you were struggling there at uh, at Turry. Uh, well, what, yeah. What are you looking for? Usually, well, usually I'll have the the shot in mind before I go there. You know what I mean? Like, because a, a lot of the areas around here are just like I'm not traveling and scouting out spots so much at the moment but a lot of the areas around here like i'll see a spot and and i'll think that spot could be good under set circumstances like a high tide big swell northeast swell that spot could could work with some with some flow uh and i just sort of just keep it in in the back of my head for when it lines up so yeah usually what I'll, i'll do is like i'll look at the conditions the, the forecast the conditions a couple of days before like if i see that there's going to be some high cloud um and a bit of swell around i'll i'll think to myself what are my options and I, yeah i'll have it lined up pretty much what i want to i shoot it's, it's rare except for what i was saying about with, with tari before that 
I'll I'll go to somewhere and not really have a, a, a game plan or a composition in mind. You know what I mean? Sure, that sure. that's around here. If I'm if I'm traveling somewhere, then obviously you don't know the spot. And, yeah. yeah but, so you look. So I mean, um, a lot of a lot of photographers sort of they they start with you know they'll go to let, let's say you go to Camel Rock or something. You know, one of one of the iconic locations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a definite subject there, which is black jagged, you know, uh, set of rocks out there in, in the yeah. in the bay. You know, yeah. you, what, what's your foreground look like? Because that, that's kind of that, that a lot of lot of photographers start with. Okay, I've got I've got that main subject, but now what I'm yeah. looking at is interesting foreground. So how how, how do you yeah. think what you go for? Well, I try to find something with um, like. Yeah, I've. I guess uh, like lately, I've been focusing on um, like the the texture in the image. So like, mm-hmm. I, I'd be looking for something with with a, a soft, pleasing sort of a texture. So if it was like uh, like uh, some drawn out flow, like leading towards the the mm-hmm. rock, is obviously gonna be a winner. Um, or or the sand, like if there's a, if there's a pattern in the sand, if it's a low tide, there's a pattern in the sand that's interesting. I'd I'd hone in on that, but yeah, like if it's if it's a really jagged rock with no water movement around it or something like that, I'd avoid it because it's just like that. Those textures, even though you've got something in the foreground, the, the textures of some of the rocks that you can get on the coast around here, like they're all really harsh, jagged yeah, yeah. rocks, and it's I find them d- distracting or they they take away from the the scene a little bit you know yeah, so, so you're, soft. You're, you're kind of looking for that soft smooth flow into the into the background subject yeah yeah range subject yeah okay yeah and that's pretty much why i couldn't get a decent shot at tari the other day because the what like i had a little bit of flow in the image in the foreground but the water behind just to the right was was so choppy it just it's just too it's so distracting you know what i mean like it's yeah, just it took, took away you gotta, doing yeah 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 so it's like there's just there's like there's so much that can um, like the conditions make such a big difference when you're shooting seascapes. Like any sort of wind from the wrong direction can just absolutely kill it. Even if you've got a good nice sky and, um, yeah, yeah. and nice nice foreground, or whatever. Just a little bit the wind wind being wrong, it's over. You know. Yeah. So. So yeah. what's your what's your process look like when you when you you know you've got you've got that shot in mind and you you turn up at the beach or wherever it is and you sort of yeah. saying all right well i know i've got a i know I've, you know i've got my tripod set up what are you what are you what yeah. are you thinking through what are you looking for what are you- uh well i'll i'll get first up is i'll get the the comp sorted so you want to make sure well i try to make sure i'm there a decent amount before the the light really starts to get going so yeah. like what I've what you see when you get like when you when you know it's going to be a, a really good burning sky. You know how you get that like that little bit of pre glow on the yeah, sky yeah, and yeah. it disappears. Not normally you get that that glow and then a second glow after it goes a bit funny. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you get that first one, but then it dies right off again. Yeah, it dies right off. Bang yeah. and just yeah, and explodes yeah. again. So I try to make sure I'm set up um, before or during that that first little bit of. Uh, yeah, yeah. and what i'm trying to do is yeah first up i'll set the <clears throat> the composition so i'll make sure i got the the right height um everything's like balanced so i usually just look through the the rear um 
viewfinder on the camera. So well, yeah, I'll try try to make sure that everything's balanced, like um, that, and I'm not too wide. Like I've I've been trying to focus on not getting like even though I shoot with a wide lens all the time, I've been pulling it in a fair bit because yep. you can have all this rubbish out to the sides that's not unnecessary. Yeah. Not adding to the scene, you know what I mean. Even though yeah. you you might be missing some of the good sky with with going really wide, I find you don't you don't need it. Like it, the, the sky is one element of the shot. The key element is is the foreground and what it's it's leaning towards. Yeah. You know what I mean. So yeah, I'll get I'll get that right. <coughs> um, I usually shoot at around uh, f eight, so f eight ISO down to a hundred, uh, and I always bracket it, even though. You don't really need to as much with with modern cameras, but I got a Z6, and I yep. I don't know if you've noticed this with when when you if you've shot with different cameras, but like some cameras can pull in the highlights quite a lot and can't yeah. pull up the shadows so much, uh, and I think that's how the manufacturers design it. Like the Z6, they rave about how much shadow recovery it's got but it's yeah. terrible with the highlights yeah. like if, it, if you expose for the highlights your, your shadows are fine but if you if if you um miss your it miss your highlights and you you sort of around that mid top end of the mid range it's it just blows like mad yeah no yeah, I, I, I know what you mean I, I i bracket um i mean i the one of the reasons why i started bracketing was uh because i i kicked off doing this sort of thing with a an old um, Canon 500D. You know, it wasn't old. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, it had very limited dynamic range and, you know, yeah. the shadows were crusty as if you yeah. if you didn't expose to, to, to give them enough, yeah. you know, enough exposure to get the, uh, the, the shadows, you know, removing all that noise. But then yeah. you end up, you know, blowing the highlights. If you're trying to do it all in camera, it's almost physically impossible. Um, yeah, so you're constantly going up and... To, to get around that, go to bracketing and then, yeah. you know, work it through the, the, the post-processing to, to, to blend it together. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's sort of what I do. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll set the composition up and because I usually use the rear view finder, I wind the exposure compensation to plus two, so everything's totally blown out but just so i can check i can see on the back yeah, screen how the yeah. composition is looking like how the the darkest areas of the shot line up um and then i'll i usually wind it down to negative one so when i'm shooting like because what i'll do is if like if i'm shooting flow or something i'll set it at negative one um and then just and then just fire away on burst mode just click 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 shooting the incoming flow yep got um, it maybe wind a stop up again just as if there's any shadows that i really want to make sure are free of noise and then i'd merge it all in afterwards yeah, right. if that makes if that makes yeah. sense no, make, make, um, makes a lot of sense i, I at yeah. least i know what you're talking about hopefully the, yeah. the listeners do <laughs> well yeah if if you don't it just means like i'm yeah i'm shooting most of my shot almost all my shots are, are underexposed by default when they come out of the yeah, camera right. and the reason for that is so that yeah when you when you're in lightroom editing your images the brightest parts of the image are still there. They're not destroyed from being blown out. I hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, got it. I don't know. So when, yeah. when when you get them home, what's what's next? Do you you straight into editing, or do you leave them sitting for me? Yeah, for a while? I um I pretty much put them straight onto the computer. Like I'll um so 
how my sort of, I guess, workflow is set up. I, I have a one solid state drive and I'll put everything yep. onto that solid state drive from that day. Once that solid state drive is full, I'll back it up onto a, a nut, just an external hard drive. I've just got like a drawer full of external hard drives. So I just yeah, keep right. you, using the one solid. It's an external solid state drive, but I just keep using it, that yeah. one, you know. So I put them all on there. Then I'll go into uh, Lightroom. And <laughs> what I do is because straight out of the camera, they're, they're usually a little bit underexposed. So just look at, looking at the images, you can't tell straight away what's good or what's bad. Yeah, sure. So I put a preset on all of them that ex- lifts up the exposure and the shadows and everything um, to, just so I can see what I'm looking at. Then I'll go through all the images and flag the ones that I that I like the look of, you know, yep. um, and and then I'll use the filter in uh, Lightroom to show only flagged images, and I go back through those flagged yeah, right. images and and cool. start working on the the ones that I I like the look of. Yeah, yeah, is, nice. is basically how it works. Yeah, cool. Uh, and, but are you are you asking how I go about? editing them or just oh yeah just... Uh, sure to, if, if you want to give okay yeah, I'll say, well, okay so <laughs> i i've changed that's one of the things i've changed around heaps lately is yeah. as well um, i think i think I everyone it. evolves how you know they learn new tricks and you know uh adobe drops it you know or whatever editing tool you use and you know they drop a new yeah. release and there's a there's a new little function or a tweak on a function that you haven't used before and you go oh okay yeah. I, might, I might give that a go and see what it does well, yeah, I have, they have done that a fair bit lately too, actually. Yeah. I, have you seen the function they brought out where you can? It's I think it's in Lightroom too. The the super resolution. Yeah, function. super resolution. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, and that works pretty well because I use it on some of my drone shots, and it, it doesn't it doesn't really double the resolution, but you could or quadruple whatever they say it is, but you it would let you print something uh, bigger than than what you could have before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, I've, I've yeah, used so, a, a couple of things for uh, enlarging. Um, I I haven't used it yet for printing. For, I, I've checked out what the super resolution does. Um, yeah, quite, quite like it. Uh, yeah. But I've, I've used. Um, I tried that. Um, I forget the name of it. Whatever it is, AI. Topaz. Topaz. Um, yeah, Topaz. Yeah, that, that yeah. Topaz one. Um, because I, what I was trying to do was get up to about a two-metre-wide shot for, for a big print that I was doing. Right. Um, off your camera? Was that off your... Yeah. Not, like, not a, it wasn't a drone shot? No, 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 no. It was, it was camera. Um, You're right, but, yeah, okay. So, um, the, the, the printing guys that I use, uh, they, they, they actually have a, um, an indicator when you upload whether or not the 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 quality image at the size you've selected uh, yeah, yeah. is poor, you know, medium, good, yeah. excellent, you know. So they have yeah. got these. Yeah. They they they've basically it's based on the resolution of the the, the shot that you're uploading. So yeah. you know, if you yeah. you upload a you know six eighty by um, four hundred pixel image, you know, and try and blow it's that up to like, nah. two meters. It just says no, nah, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah, you can use that as a beer coaster. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, so yeah, you know, it, it, it's good. I mean, it, it's good because it gives you an indication as to what you want. If you want an mm. excellent quality image, then you know, even even with the, I mean, I'm I'm shooting the six D, and that's. Uh, 
uh, what about a, a 26 megapixel, I think it is, give or take. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Similar, same, similar to mine, I've got a Z6 yeah. or something like that. So yeah. I, I, I can get it up there, but when I upload yeah. the, I, I tried just uploading the native resolution, which is, I think, uh, where is it? It's about, about 6,000 by two and a bit thousand pixels. Yeah, that sounds right. sounds about right. Um, mm. So I uploaded that and it came back and said it was good. And I thought, okay, well, what does it take to get it to excellent? You know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. The topaz tool out and I you know, blew this thing up. The, the reason I did it, the, the, the shot was uh, a waterfall. So it had a, had a lot of detail in it, you know, a lot, lot of yeah. um, uh, background detail with ferns and all, you know, all, all these little yeah. grains of sand that looked interesting and everything. You know? So I wanted yeah. I wanted it to, to be as good as I could make it. And, you know, I, yeah, I thought the Topaz thing worked quite well. I tried that and uh, looked at it against just the image resize, the, the native image resize in, uh, in, in Adobe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, a little bit of difference. There's a little bit more crispness, I think, in the, uh, the Topaz in one. Topaz. But yeah, not, okay. not that much. Um, but, yeah, yeah any, anyway, short story long. <laughs> and, and ended up with, with, with a nice print. But, um, yeah, yeah so okay. you, you were talking about the drone shots and, you know, obviously with a drone you get a smaller sensor usually. You know, yeah. If you go on those massive pro drones and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, even those those ones, unless you get one of the drones that has an actual camera mounted to it, like a like yeah. a mirrorless or DSLR camera, they're all, they, they cap out at about 20 megapixels. So yeah. I was thinking about using that, trying that Topaz Labs because, yeah, like I said, the uh, Adobe one helps a little bit, but uh, you can't go crazy big. I did I did a um, a print for this guy a little while ago of Mona Val Paul and he's like, he wanted it absurdly big. And I was like, like the, the software, the that I use to to print is similar to what you're talking about. It will, it will, um, it, it'll tell you that the quality is not going to be good, but you can yeah. just you can print it anyway. You know what I mean? It was say poor because it was yeah, it won't stop your printing, but <laughs> yeah, but it said poor. It was like in red writing, not going to be yeah. good. I, I said to the guy, it's like it, you're going to want to be looking at this from a long way away. You know what I mean? Like yeah. don't have this in a hallway where people can just like eyeball yeah. it up close because it looked it looked terrible. Yeah. But it yeah, it it, it it helped a little bit when I put the the sharpener thing on it, but. Yeah, you can't do you can't go that big. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, it depends a lot on on what size. I mean, if you if you go on like a sixty centimeter by forty centimeter or something like that, it's usually oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not not that big an issue. But uh, yeah, it's when when you want to get upwards of uh, a meter and a half, two meters, that's where you start running yeah. into quality issues. Unless you, and, yeah. I mean, unless, unless of course you've got a phase one and you you know shooting it, you know. Um, no, wouldn't that be nice? 500 megapixels or whatever the hell that does now. Yeah, 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 wouldn't it? They've sort of, um, a lot of those camera brands, like I, I haven't been keeping tabs on them lately, but for a while there they were all going crazy against each other, yeah. pushing for super high megapixels. It seems in the last, maybe because of COVID and R&D and stuff's yeah, died down, but they don't seem to be doing those crazy um, pushing for stupid high megapixel anymore. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't, don't know why. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've I've forgot what where what we're talking about earlier. Was I talking? About, oh yeah, I was talking about my workflow with um with editing, like how I go. Yeah, about that's right. Yeah, editing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
like one thing I've I've noticed in the well, one thing I've changed over since when I started shooting to now, and I know this is common for a lot of people when you when you start shooting, well, when you start editing, you just go crazy with the adjustments, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the sliders, just and clarity and everything. Up to yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you crank everything way out of control, and the the more you you the more time you spend editing, the less you do that. Like it's, I found like less is more. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, I was always told pull the highlights right down, pull the shadows right up. Um, contrast crank that one up too and I don't I, I always pull the highlights right down like they come down to the lowest possible setting to sell all the details in the in sure. the in the sky well almost I almost always do that but the shadows I don't always bring them right up anymore even if it's like a bracketed image like I'll I'll only crank the shadows up a little bit because what I've uh, what I've realized or what I've been told is that and it's and it's correct why well, i believe it's correct is that like when you're looking at an image your eye is naturally drawn to the to the brightest part of the yeah, image right. and having yeah and having shadows in the image like it adds a it adds sort of mystery to the image but it your eyes don't tend to look at that they'll your eyes will navigate through the, the bright areas of the image yeah, towards right. the subject yeah. so so keeping those shadows in there is really really important so like I mean, having good dynamic range in your camera is good, but you don't. Yeah, you don't need to crank the shadows way up yeah. Um, yeah. to pull everything out because it's not. It's actually going to hurt the image a lot, you know. So, yeah, I do. I do that. I the, the shadows come up a little bit. Clarity um, and texture. You uh, touch a little bit, but they're more like um, uh, selective adjustments. So, if I want to add some detail or definition to to flow, I will. Um, uh, brush some clarity or texture in, in those areas sure. um, and then maybe like a graduated filter on the sky um, to, to darken it. But even, but then like the, the adjustments are very small, like it's a big graduating filter, but I'm pulling the exposure down within the yeah, filter. The like, uh, yeah. 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 But only a 20th, uh, a, a, uh, a fifth of a stop or so, you yeah, know, not right. like just yeah. small, Small tweaks, you know. Yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I've actually got a question from uh, some of the listeners. Um, how do you, oh, how yeah? do you choose between when to put the drone up versus the uh, the land base setup? Uh, if if I can't find, if I don't think I'm going to be able to find a good strong composition with yeah. the with the camera, I'd send the drone up. So, like what we were talking yeah. about before, like if I'm trying to capture something and get some good flow or interest in the foreground, if I know I'm going to be able to nail that with the with the camera, I'll I'll use it. But if it's not going to happen, just send the drone up and you just get everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. um, is yeah. is probably how the way I would I would do it. But there's trade offs with the drone too. You know, like it doesn't it, it it's not as good. It doesn't get the colors. Uh, as like especially sunrise and sunset colors, it doesn't get them anywhere near as well as the camera. It's heaps more work trying yeah. to trying to recover them in in post. Yeah. So one one of the things I guess with the drone that I've I've seen you do that not too many other people are doing. There's a, there's a couple other guys out there that uh, get into it. Is that uh, nice long exposure? So what? Oh what, yeah. What, yeah. What are you What are you doing to you know pull that off and how? Is that all about being a good drone pilot, or is it uh, you know, uh, you've got to sort of stay in the one spot for a uh, you know, yeah, a bit while you're shooting that sort of thing? 
Yeah, it's not. It's not as. Tr- it's not actually as tricky as as you would think it would be. Um, like you just like assuming you know what what drone have you got? I don't have one. I've, oh, don't no, oh, I thought you. Yeah, okay. no, no, yeah, never well, find one. Uh, I've done a yeah. done a helicopter trip or two, but no, never done oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not. It's not as tricky as you'd think it. But as long as you know, like how to use the to adjust the drone settings on your on your phone. Um, you basically um, the the reason it's hard is because you can't see. You don't know if you've if you've butchered the the long exposure or not. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Because you, you don't you don't get to see you don't get to preview the image. The only time you'll see it is when you get home. You so, get to, yeah, you get at home and um, download the stick. Yeah. yeah, but basically what you do is um, same as you would with the camera. Just get your drone position, get your composition set up, uh, wait for the flow, get make sure your exposure is is correct and the difference is you want to take heaps of shots on the drone so if i'm shooting yeah, right. like an ocean pool and, and water's flowing over the top i'll probably take about 20 shots of it with the drone because because like even if there's no wind the drone will move uh, a little bit you know and yep. on average you get maybe one in ten sharp shots so take 20 shots you'll get two that are going to be that are going to be sharp is, yeah, is usually how it works you know what i mean um, but then the tricky part is as well what i've i've I haven't done it for a little while, but I was doing those ones where you, where you're doing a long exposure but following like a car. So like the drone will be yep. matching the car's speed, and you're doing a half a second shot, and they're they're tricky to get right because you've got to match the car's speed exactly so that the yeah, whole right. background behind it is blurred. They look really cool, and they're hard to get right because you've got to be spot on with the drone's movement tracking the car. You know, yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Cool. So what, yeah, the normal long exposure shots not not too hard. What what's the bit of kit that you can't live without? Uh, other than the camera body, that's obvious. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say probably the the, the 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 filter. I it's the the one filter that I use is the Nissi Six Dot, and that's that's yeah. the only filter that I use. Um, okay, it's probably more than what I need, but I use that all the time. It's like a six dot and a polarizer as well yeah um, right yeah that's i use it pretty much all the time when i'm shooting flow because even though it's a little bit darker than what you need for shooting flow like I, a three stop would probably be better but the camera i've got is pretty good at high iso so i can just crank the iso up to a thousand yeah, or so right. and then you're shooting at the what you're doing what a three stop would if that makes sense so yeah probably probably the 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 Nissi filter, I'd say. It's yeah. only the one that I use. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I, I mean, I've, yeah. I've actually only uh, using two filters at the moment. One's the the three stop, the other's the ten stop, and the three the three is obvious. That's that's for flow. You know, get get you down around yeah, that, you know, quarter to max half a second, sort of yeah, fifth of a second, quarter of a second for for flow. But um, the yeah. ten stops obviously for those uh, you know nice long uh cloud streaks and the and yeah creamy in the water right out yeah, yeah. Um, well i think like i and you probably won't like me saying it too much but that really is all you need you know like yeah, if, if you're doing if if you're big on your post processing you don't need the graduator filters yeah you can do I, that I, I get, if you if you do want to do it all in camera then you know grads and whatever yeah 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 they've definitely yeah. got their place but uh for yeah. me, you know the the way I shoot and the way that I process, uh, you know it it, it kind of 
kind of unnecessary to get into in, into lots of different kit. I, I also don't like yeah. carrying a lot of kit around. I've, I bought myself. Yeah. Uh, I was in uh, Canada uh, December 19, um, just, nice. before, just before COVID. Um, yeah. And, um, I bought myself a little uh, sling backpack. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah. You know, it goes over one shoulder sort of thing. Uh, it's got yeah. enough room for. I, it depends on how you how you set it up and how you pack it, but yeah. got enough room for. Um, I've got my camera body. I've got the Nissi filter uh, bag with um, with, with the, the the different um, size circular filters in it. I've got my yeah. two hundred zoom. I've got my twenty four to seventy zoom, and I've got my sixteen to thirty five, and that's it. And um, other than yeah, this, right. And spare cards don't carry yeah. anything else, um, yeah. And the tripod, and you can strap the t- tripod to the back of it, you know. So, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've sort of stripped everything down. I used to have one of those big low pro, you know, full on backpacks, but the thing that I found yeah. annoying with that, aside from the weight, because you carried all of your gear around with it, <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing that I, I really annoyed me about it was when you out shoot and flow. There's nowhere to put it because you've got to go and put it somewhere where you know it's not going to get washed away by a wave. So yeah, well that's it. That's it. Know. Yeah. So but not too far around, away that someone will nick it. Well, that's it. You're always particularly yeah. around Sydney. You're always looking over your shoulder in case someone pinches yeah. it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. someone someone stole my thongs yesterday uh, the <laughs> other day at time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. There's that, only photographers down there. <laughs> yeah, I was. There was only photographers down there, and I. Like I looked everywhere, I was like, "Someone has taken them." Because I put them up at the at the top of the beach near the yeah. near the stairs. It's like, no, someone's definitely nicked. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> anyway, um, that's very weird. But yeah, and whereabouts in Canada were you? Uh, so we went flew into Calgary. Um, yeah, know, via Vancouver, but um, yeah, we flew into Calgary. Did a couple of nights there. Um, this was yeah. middle of winter, so it was December. So it was. Yeah. It was a bit chilly. Calgary's freezing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when, then uh, my daughter, she was working in a hotel up in Banff, so we went up and oh, yeah. uh, stayed nice. there, went and did Lake Louise, uh, Lake Abraham, uh, did a did a heli tour there up to a... Oh, uh, beautiful. Yeah, up to a frozen lake, which is about the same uh, altitude as the top of Kosciuszko, and it was oh, in a, yeah? it was in a valley. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you got oh, these. Banff is. Oh, Sorry, Banff, yeah. Banff is fantastic. Yeah. So you got the, these three thousand meter peaks all around you, and yeah, you know, once the helicopter had sort of died down, and you got out, and you, you're standing in waist deep powder. Um, yeah. You know, and you know, wade over, get some snowshoes on because the the heli tour guys that organised all of this. And then you go for a hike, and you're seeing these. Uh, Bobcat footprints in the snow, and yeah, right. And deer, deer prints, and all that sort of thing. Is yeah, it was phenomenal. Such a beautiful but place. Though. Totally silent up there, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Sound, nothing but you know the the little whisper of the wind through the through yeah. the trees. It was absolutely magic. Yeah. But, um, well, I went last. To, I used to go up there all the time. I used to go every, every winter. Me and my mates would go for about a month or so. And yeah. then in the last trip, I went up there. I just started to get into photography and. Um, there's apparently there's one um, uh, pack of wolves that have the area around Banff, Banff to themselves, oh, okay, and it's a yeah. Huge, yeah, it's a huge area that these wolves get. Uh, it's not a 
big pack, but it's um, it, they have a massive area to themselves that yeah, they've claimed. I don't really know much about walls, but that was what I was told when we were up there. And we were driving through to, uh, I think it was Johnson Canyon. I don't know if yeah, you were yeah, there. Um, yeah, there. we, we yeah. Did, a, did a trip up the, up the canyon, yeah. Yeah, we were driving up there and um, just cruising along this, this back road and that wolf pack just walked out onto the road in front of us. It was like, oh, oh, yeah. oh my God, yeah. And my camera gear was back, packed away in the back. It's like, stop the car, stop the car. <laughs> I ran out to um, put my – and I was pretty amateur at the time, so all my settings and stuff were disastrous. Yeah. But I'd just gotten like this blurry back end of this wolf group running off into the bush. I was like, oh, no, because it would have been an epic shot if it had all lined up, this whole family of yeah. wolves uh, in the middle of the road with a mountain behind it. wouldn't look so good, but. I yeah. totally balls. No, we, we, we didn't, like, see, didn't see any wolves. Saw saw a couple of elk. Saw saw a few deer, but not many. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, John Johnson Canyon. That that was uh, a, a, an amazing sort of um, hike up into there as well. Because yeah, you, you you find right at the end of it, you know, you're faced with this, particularly in winter. You know, this this just wall of ice, and there were these ice. Yeah. Pops. I actually uh, did quite a nice pano shot there, where you've got the the main waterfall out to the left, and then this the, these sheets of ice, and there were these ice climbers nice. climbing oh, up yeah. the, the, the ice on the waterfall, and just gives a oh, real nice style, you know, because they, they they look like little ants in this pano, and uh, yeah, oh, that would have been amazing. Oh, it was. It was. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a. I, I mean, just seeing a frozen waterfall was pretty amazing because you don't get that yeah. sort of thing. You know? <laughs> no, no, you don't. Yeah. It is beautiful over there. I just, it's one of the first places I want to go when we could get. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tossing up. I think I'm, my wife's from the UK, so we'll probably uh, head over there and see the family and do a bit of a family yeah. once all this is done. But. Uh, yeah, uh, I've I've got a lot of places on my list, so it's hard it's hard to pick which one. No, I know it's hard to pick, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so what what about um, you know t- talking about wolves and things? You know, what what's the scariest experience you've had when you're out shooting? Uh, oh, actually, yeah, it would be you've shot at that. Have you shot at that crack at, just past the Narrabeen Pool? Yeah, yeah, the, the Narrabeen crack, yeah. I've, I've, the Narrabeen crack, yeah, yeah. I posted an old shot of that uh, a few days ago, actually, probably about a week or so ago, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that is, that is one of my favourite spots to shoot at, I'd say. Like, yeah, it's, right. Like, the, if you get the composition right there, having the flow coming in from all sides on that channel looks amazing. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, yeah, I had a pretty uh, sketchy situation there early this year, Um uh, we, we've like it was because I, I always used to say this to people when I was doing workshops like if you're shooting seascape make sure you watch the ocean for yeah. a while before you walk out there and what also you what you got to realize is that whatever's wet is obviously is is gonna is being That's where the water away, goes. Yeah, you know? right. um yeah and I'd been watching it for for quite a while and uh, there was some medium-sized sets and you watch you watch how far they 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 roll yep. in over the over the shelf, you know what I mean? And I was at the crack and just this ridiculously big wave came. I was just like, oh my God. And the, yeah. the worst thing there is you don't want to turn your back on it. The ground is slippery. You know, if yeah. you run to get away from it, you're definitely going to fall. So I'm just sort of slowly backing away from this wall of water coming towards me. 
uh, and it hit me and I had my camera on the tripod. I just had to hold up oh, while wow. the water pushed me back down and keep the camera afloat. I didn't really get dragged along very far, but it was it was pretty terrifying. Like, not it wasn't that scary. I was just yeah. like... If you weren't going to die, but you, you, you weren't comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and I thought my camera could easily die, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But that was, that was a bit terrifying because this thing just exploded onto the reef. And they actually... Like the, the the wave sort of runs out quicker than you thought it would. Like it runs out of puff earlier than yeah. you think it would at that spot for some reason. Um, and by the time it got to me, it wasn't too bad. But when it exploded on the reef, I was like on the shelf. I was like, oh my god, yeah. um, that was that was pretty hectic. That one, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so always always uh, safety first when you're out there. Uh... You know, shoot, shooting on a rock shelf. I, yeah, I think I mentioned it yeah. in in the first episode. You know, it's one one of the things I I, I went and bought myself a, a good set of um, you know rock shoes that have got cleats in the you know in the yeah um, yeah I'm gonna get some of them. Yeah, when it, whenever I go out there, it's I always put them on regardless of what the conditions are. Low tide, no swell, doesn't matter. I I, yeah. I don't want to go swimming with the camera, and I don't want to have to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to have to be picked up by the uh, the Westpac her- helicopter ever either. Oh, I know you don't want to be that guy. Hey, do you know? Um, do you know Matt Finn? You yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I remember that story. I think uh, on the on the Scapers podcast, he mentioned yeah, he Bombo, Bombo, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah he went uh, right but but he, he is a bit nuts, I think. Yeah, look. Oh, he's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't care. He he. Well, he said he said even for him that was terrifying when he got out. But yeah. like when he was telling about us, he was laughing. It's just like oh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Now, <laughs> you know, his canyoning adventures and whatever on uh, on Instagram and, uh, and yeah so and yeah. I mean, I'd 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 love to love to do a bit of canyoning, but um, yeah. Not, not necessarily, you know, to to some of the extremes that he goes to with the yeah, the they go, he goes hard, him and him and his yeah. mates, they go yeah. to the next level. Mm. They get get right into it. Yeah. yeah, is that a film camera you got there on the shelf behind you? Sorry, yeah, that's that's an old uh, Minolta XG one. That was my first SLR. Um, oh no, that's I got I got one of those for uh, L for her birthday. Oh, Same cool. camera. Yeah, yeah. I managed to find one on Gumtree because she wanted a film camera for ages, and yeah, apparently yeah. they're like the best of the best. In yeah, in, the the Minolta, they they camera. made some made some good glass back in their time. Uh, I mean, they I think they just make fo- photocopiers now, but um, I think know, they, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> X ray machines and stuff. Yeah, yeah that, that that sort of gear. But um, I've got that, and uh, there's a um, zoom lens that's uh, over there as well. Um, oh yeah, okay. What is it? A Auto Pro Mura, whoever that is. Auto Pro Mura. Yeah, um, eighty to two hundred mil. Yeah, okay. With the Minolta mount, the bayonet mount. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it used, used to take some reasonable shots back in the day, but um, I haven't, I haven't bought a uh, a roll of film for ages. I can't remember the last yeah. time I shot it. Actually, um, I probably should go and grab some batteries and. Uh, and uh, you know, give it a go because I think it was one of the early um, semi-autos. I mean, it, all the all the focus and everything is manual. Um, yeah, it yeah. does auto exposure meeting metering. So yeah, I'm yeah. One of, the, one of the first to do that sort of thing. So, but you can. I, I took mine to um, a camera repair guy 
taking your hours before I hand it over to Elf just to get him to show me over it. And you can't apparently you can shoot them without the battery because it lets you adjust the shutter. I, I think it lets you adjust the, the shutter speed. You can shoot without the battery, but you Possibly, won't know yeah. what yeah. what you what how you're exposing it, you know what I mean? I don't think the batteries are the problem, it's just finding film. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Well that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I've that's seen, it. I mean, I've seen it online, but geez, it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I, I got I think I my day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap. I think we paid sixty bucks or something for three rolls. Like, it's yeah, pretty, twenty pretty bucks expensive. a roll. Yeah. Well, I I remember mm. when I was buying it, it was about three dollars fifty a roll. But that that was a long yeah, long, right. That was in the eighties. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but back in the day when you were shooting, when like all the like Ansel Adams and all those sort of yeah, guys, yeah, like yeah. you'd really want to make sure you're nailing your shot when it's costing well, that's it. you. you well, maybe. Yeah, it, it made you really conservative about what you did shoot and it made yeah. you really think about what your settings were. And I yeah. think yeah, that that for me probably taught me a lot about how when, when I moved into digital and, you know, finally got a, a, a digital SLR, it taught me a lot about what I needed to know in terms of yeah. setup and, and picking a comp and picking a, a, a shot as opposed yeah. to... You know, bang, 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 you know, shit. You know, yeah, yeah. Pray and pray. Because you almost, well, yeah, well, that's what I do. Sometimes when I'm shooting fly, I just put it on oh, high yeah. speed data and just hold it down. It's just going bang, 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 bang. And sometimes I'm like, this is just too easy. Like, I feel guilty. Like, I've just, it's, <laughs> that you can make as many mistakes as you want. It doesn't really matter, you know. No, that's, that's it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, uh, the, the, the guys I used to admire, I, I don't know, um, if you were, uh, uh, or it was around when um, when you were younger, the um, Tracks magazine, the the old surfer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those yeah, guys yeah, yeah. getting out there with, uh, I mean, they the, the the pros that have a motor drive and whatever, but going out there and doing all of that on film, that oh. really had to know what you were doing there, you know. Yeah, those, yeah. Those guys that... I really admired because uh, I mean. Yeah, okay. You probably they they probably have a low strike rate because of you know either focus pulling or you know something not uh, not quite going right. You know, but um, yeah, but yeah. the rewards for them would be pretty good. Like you nail a oh, good shot, and I, back then when everyone was buying print, I reckon you get you would have got paid pretty well for a yeah. for a good shot. Yeah, comparatively, um, and it's it's one of the things that I think. Uh, you know, sort of social media and whatever, it, it's impact on the the price of photography because, you know, I mean, yeah. there, there are people that make really good coin out of it, but it, it's yeah. hard to do and there's not many people, you know, that, that are making a mint and it's usually, yeah. usually, I mean, it's all like the, the, the guys that have always made the money have been the, you know, the high-level fashion and portrait guys, you know. But yeah. Yeah, yeah try, I try think that some of the a lot of money out of landscapes hard. <laughs> oh, it's very hard. It's very hard. I think it's all in the in the marketing. The guys that can do yeah. well out of it. It's all like that guy Peter. I think it's Peter Lick. Peter I Lick think is yeah, his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like he's all about marketing. And one of the things he does, he he announce uh, an image or he'd show off an image, and he'd say, "All right, this is the." Uh, price now. Uh, yep. I'm only doing six of them, and yep. after this one sells, the next one is going to be this price, and the price yep. is going up and up and up, you know. And but the the base price is I don't know three hundred grand or something. Yeah. I don't know how he is. I mean, his photos are amazing, but he's oh yeah, the way I mean that's, that's the thing. You got to start off with a with a good base. You, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not like I mean, I. 
I, I don't want to disparage, you know, abstract art and everything because I actually really appreciate it and appreciate it and, and, and I like it. But you do see some yeah. stuff. Look at it and you go, really? Somebody paid, you know, four five hundred thousand dollars for that? You know, seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that. You yeah. know what? Another thing I don't understand. I haven't really looked into it, but you know how people are selling digital art as yeah, NFTs? NFTs. Do you know much about it? Yeah. yeah. Do you know I've, much about I've that? I've got a couple on sale at the moment, and I, okay. I personally haven't sold anything. Um, yeah, okay. It, it's an interesting community from what I can see. I think certainly for maybe my kids and, and in particular their kids that are, yeah. uh, I heard them describe, you know, you've heard the term digital natives, you know, which is sort of my kids. Oh, is that what they call them now? Right. Yeah, okay. that, well, they were born in the digital age. They've never known anything other than, you know, computers and in, in your hand and, yeah. you know, phones and yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, but they're now talking about the uh, the meta uh, natives, which are dealing in these meta, you know, so you have things like Fortnite and, uh, yeah. you know, World of Warcraft and whatever, and people are spending yeah. money buying digital things in that world, you know, Minecraft and all those sorts of things, yeah. Yeah. Or they're, or yeah. they're building yeah, I have it seen and they're that. selling it, you know. And so yeah. these, these these guys have that kind of mindset that that has a value and, you know, therefore, you know, they, they, if, if someone else is going to put a value on it and is willing to pay for it, well, you know, good on them, you know. But and selling uh, an image as an NFT, like it, it's... When you're saying it's an NFT, does it just mean it's like um, it's just a digital, that digital file and you own yeah, it? Yeah, so what, what it is, it's the digital file and what you're doing is you, you've heard of the blockchain? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. What, what, what you're doing is you're using a blockchain method to create a time, date and ownership stamp for that digital file that can't be removed right. if it's embedded into it. So these platforms like Open right, okay. Foundation and all those sorts of things, what they're doing is they're providing the platform, and you pay for it. You know, so the, yeah. you, when you, know, you sell or upfront? No, no, the, but before you sell or anything to actually mint right. something, they they take a clip. So right, you, you have to use a cryptocurrency. Ethereum is probably the biggest one in the NFT space at the moment, but there's a whole raft yeah. of variations to that. Um, yeah. You know, so what you do is you have to you have to buy you have to set up a wallet you have to buy the the currency the cryptocurrency first off you know and you can do yeah. I mean, you know if, you, if your credit card lets you you can swipe a credit card and do that you know you, you yeah okay yeah, so, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, 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 yeah. you can get the cryptocurrency no problem then to create the NFT you upload the file and part of the minting process you pay them a fee to mint it and that yeah goes through their their algorithm that basically uses a neural network of computers to put a time date and ownership stamp on that into that file and embed it into that file. So what you're selling is effectively the digital rights master for that file. Now you can do that in different ways. You can do that as a single file and that's the it's one of one or you yeah. can do that as a uh, you know a series and it could be the same file, you know, and you could sell 10 of them, right? But it's a limited, right. kind of like that Peter Lick thing where I've got 10 of them. Yeah. I'll sell this one. Up at, and up and up. Yeah, I'll sell this one at yeah. half, an, half an ether 
the next one at one, the next one at one point, yeah. and so forth. You know. Yeah. Do they ever auction them, or is it just yeah, the, yeah. the auction, seller nominates a big price. part of the market? Um, uh, there's there's collectors. I, I was um, talking to somebody today on Twitter. And uh, I think on foundation, this guy had just set a record. And literally what he'd done is a Mexican photographer. The photos, I, I, I love, his, love his work. They're, they're literally mm -hmm. him hanging over a pedestrian overpass over a freeway somewhere in Mexico City, taking photos of people in the back of utes because that's a common wow. way of getting to work or getting around. You know? So yeah. Um, yeah. what he's got is you know, this, this ute in a lane and the mm. people back, and he's just taken a shot of this this Ute going down the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the back of it, and he's got a. a and he's selling those. He sold a collection of forty five of them in the last week for the equivalent of about four hundred and twenty thousand US dollars. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know wow, how he took him to collect all the all the images and whatever, but mm. it's not, not bad going for the. For the work, if you can get somebody to do the buying, you know, and that—that's the thing. Yeah, like anything in the art world, it's who you know and how you how you mm. get known, and it's about mm. marketing and it's about getting your your stuff out there. So you got to start with good good content, good product in the first place. Yeah. You know, well, there's a guy in um, you know, you know Tom Nosk. Yeah, yeah, I know Tom. Yeah, app yeah. Apparently, I I I just heard that he sold one of his images uh, of. Haynes Beach for as an NFT and it went yep. for big coin, like very yeah, big yeah. coin. But yeah. that's that's why I don't really know much about it. So yeah. there's they're not so it is it's still the same as as buying art. It doesn't have any additional value attached to it. It's still buying art. You're just transferring the ownership of it digitally. Correct. To yeah. The, the, someone else, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Some people also chuck in a print, you know, to sweeten. The oh pot, yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. It, it depend depends on the on the person selling the, the the art at the time and whether or not. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I forget exactly what the record was, but it was it was some ridiculous number. Um, you know, um, uh, vast depth on Instagram. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, Mildura. He he sold a few yep. on, on uh, NFTs as well. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's, right. there's people people doing it. Um, I know. Yeah, okay. I know there's a few other guys floating around that are, uh, you know, the the community that are um, are into it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm giving it a go. I've chucked I've chucked three images up. I haven't had any bites yet, but I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not really pushing them hard either. You know, it, yeah. it's interesting because I mean I've been on Twitter now for probably about ten years. Um, oh yeah. This really only shot to prominence in the last, you know, oh, 18 months, if that. Um, yeah. It was really mm. embryonic about 18 months ago. There was almost, you, you didn't hear anything about it. It was a really underground thing. And it was mostly yeah. artists, you know, guys doing um, animations and those sorts of things. Uh, for like video games and stuff like that. Yeah, but but not yeah, but just standalone uh, artworks, for example. Yeah, it might uh, be okay. A, 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 a transparent rose which is rotating, you know, in a in a oh, yeah. you know, okay. something like that, you know, or yeah, it might okay. be it might be something completely different, you know. But yeah, okay. in the last um, probably twelve months from 
that sort of starting to gain ground, the photography mm. market has really become quite big. And you get there's a few big names in there, uh, you know, starting to sell their work now. And when you when you start to see that sort of thing happening, you know, there's a real sort of movement behind it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like most of these things; they start off, and people go, "Yeah, it could just be a fad. It could be something that takes off." But I, I think yeah. this is probably here to stay and I think it's it's probably something that's going to be um I I don't know if you know some people tout it as the the, the future for selling art but you know I, I still think there's there's a market for the physical product as well yeah yeah I'm I'm sure there would be um there, there would have to be because a lot of uh, like my experience with selling art is or selling images is that the purchase like you get the you the best sales well, the most sales you get from people are when they're sort of an impulse purchase, like someone, yeah. if if someone's going to go to an online uh, art gallery and look at a million photos, it's very difficult to stand out. But if you put your Absolutely. image in front of them, uh, you're more likely to get people to go, wow, I, yeah, I, got I want that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, because I like, I've been, I've been on Instagram for ages and I, like, I don't actively try to sell prints on there, but I, I very rarely sell prints off Instagram, but I'm yeah, in a I'm, lot of the, um, yeah. yeah, I sell nothing from there, but in the, um, I'm on a few, uh, Facebook groups for, for my area. And every time I, well, not every time, but often when I promote the work, you'll get, you'll get a sale out of it because it's not, because those people aren't looking at, at images all no, day, every day, you know what I mean? That's exactly it. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. I think you've got to get people where they're in a mood to buy something and also, yeah. When, when they're when they're not being bombarded with thousands of other images which are equal or better quality you know yeah yeah you're, you're not going to stand out that's why I've, I've wanted to do um have you ever done like markets like you've done a selling prints at a yeah, market no, I've ne like I've never, never never printed enough stuff for that sort of thing yeah well, me neither actually given it a go yet but um yeah. it's, it's something i've thought a little bit about um yeah but yeah i mean the the, the funny thing is you kind of got to be doing your saturdays and sundays for, for that and early in the morning and i'm usually out shooting so yeah why well, yeah that's the problem if, if, yeah if you had to go to a market you know it was going to be uh, good... at four o'clock in yeah. the morning when i could be out shooting you know <laughs> yeah especially if you knew it was going to be a good sunrise you'd be like, that's oh, right this is a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but um anyway um mm. so what, what what would you tell yourself you know 10, ten year old simon about uh photography oh i would i would say get, get a camera now and start shooting yeah. Like get into it now. Um, yeah, I yeah I didn't know. Like five years ago, I had no idea that I was like um, a, an an arty sort of a person. Like I never back back then. I'd just look at art and go, I don't know anything about art. Not interested. Couldn't care yeah. less. Uh, but yeah, if I had it again, I'd be like, get a camera, get out there and and take photos. Because yeah. like yeah. ever since I've had a camera, I've been hooked on it. You know, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it does yeah. does become a drug. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, it does. An expensive one too. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what, what do you what do you see as the most important thing about being a photographer? What what's the most important thing to you? I probably have two answers. Firstly, you you gotta you gotta realize you have an obligation to not um allow areas that you shoot to become trashed, you know what I mean? Like if you if you if you come across a spot uh and manage to shoot it in pristine conditions. 
you're probably going to attract a huge crowd of people there and you've got an obligation to not let that place get butchered by destroyed you know what i mean so that would that be from a a moral ethical standpoint um from a photography standpoint it's it's all about getting the composition is like super important you know what i mean and the more i've shoot the more i realize that you know like back in the day you'd see a good sunset coming up you just go take photos of a sunrise coming you just take photos of that and that just that doesn't cut it you know what i mean like composition a good strong composition is is critical to to getting a good shot in, in my opinion totally agree so what what are you what are you doing when you're not out shooting? Uh, I drive a bus um, okay. for yeah for for state transit. Um, I also do I do a bit of real estate photography as well, yep. real estate photography and uh, videography as well. Videography is kind of a new thing for me, and I've sort of been thrown in the deep end with that. Um, but I love doing I love doing real estate photography because there are actually some similarities to landscape in that like finding good strong compositions um to shoot you most of the agents that i I work with give give me quite a bit of freedom like some agents will will tell you exactly how they want the shot done but most of them yeah but most of them were the ones fortunately a lot of the ones i work with they they give me the keys and just tell me to drop the keys back tomorrow. But yeah, yeah, I really like doing real estate photography. It's like, it's similar to landscape photography in some ways, but the editing style is totally different. Actually, I don't do the edits. I get them, you outsource them. It's much easier. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to when I, when I started doing them, because what, like if you're shooting inside a, inside a house, you can imagine like dynamic range difference between inside. You've got to make the the inside as bright as possible. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to get everything outside. It's too, like it yeah. can be five or eight stops difference. Um, and blending those, I found a nightmare to do it. And, yeah, but you can no. get it done overseas for like a, a dollar or two dollars an image. It's really cheap. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I got I got the most important question: pineapple. Oh, yeah? oh, I knew this is coming. <laughs> no, no pineapple. No, no pineapple. pineapple for Simon. <laughs> no pineapple, not for me. Just pepperoni. That's that's pepperoni. it. Pepperoni. All Pe- right. Pepperoni, heaps of hot sauce, and a thin base. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank, thanks very much for talking to me tonight, Simon. Uh, it's no, that's all right, Grant. Catching thanks. up with you. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. No, no worries. And it's been great to learn about your photographic journey. Where, where can people find your work? Uh, go to sglcimage.com uh, and, or you can on Instagram, sg.lc is where you can find me. All right, brilliant. All right. Well, thanks very much again, and thanks for listening to Landscape Photography World. Hope you've enjoyed the show, and keep listening because I'll be joined with some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work and this podcast at grantswinbornephotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne, and hope to see you out shooting soon.